Well, what a great song that is. Now, why this fear? And it uh, reminds me of a verse that we recently studied together in our uh, series on the Gospel of John, John 14, 27. I want you to turn in your Bibles back there this morning, John 14, 27. And this is what Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid or fearful. Now the peace that we just sang about in that song refers to the objective peace that we have with God in Christ that he secured for us by paying for our sins on the cross. That's the the idea of justification, that we've been declared righteous, that we've been reconciled with God, and therefore we have peace with God. God, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. The peace that Jesus uh, was referring to here in this verse is is what you could call subjective peace, which is the the peace that we as Christians enjoy on a moment-by-moment, day-to-day basis as we choose to trust God in the midst of the ever-changing circumstances of life. I think life could be accurately summarized as a series of changes. Isn't that pretty much what life is all about, right? It's just one change after another. And oftentimes those changes cause us to feel worried, cause us to feel scared. I mean, let's be honest, change is not easy for any of us. You'd think we'd get used to it since it happens so often in our lives, but change is something we all struggle with, with and it's easy to become anxious and afraid whenever there's uh, a change in our lives. And, you know, the Lord has just been so good and, and, and kind to, to our church uh, in that we have really had relatively few major changes uh, in the history of our church. And those of you that have been around for a number of years, you know that. I mean, it's been pretty, pretty easy-schmeasy. I mean, it's been uh, just a, a real comfortable ride, kind of smooth sailing, and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and you just need to know things are... Things are fiction to change, <laughs> okay? Um, we're about to experience a number of significant changes in the life of our church. One of those changes we've been talking about, we've been anticipating now for a number of months, is moving into our new activity center and going back to one service so that our entire church can, can do what we just did together, which will be so awesome to get all of our voices together, singing and worshiping, and, and, and instead of just kind of feeling like we're two different churches, we can all become one church. And so this change of venue will include a change in our schedule, and while we're excited about the benefits of this new venue and this new schedule uh, that's off here in just a few weeks or hopefully a few months here, uh, we, we know that these changes aren't going to be easy. Because it's change, right? Another change that the pastors and elders have been anticipating but have not considered it best to communicate until now, uh, and that is losing one of our pastoral staff. Back in January, Blake came to me and told me that uh, a mutual pastor friend of ours had asked him if he would be interested in serving with him at his church in California. And at the time, uh, the elders and I agreed that the timing just didn't seem right for Blake to make a transition like that in light of the imminent birth of their third child, May, and and we had just kind of put some stuff on his plate as far as ministry responsibilities here that just didn't seem right. And so he told this guy, no. Well, this past July, 
Blake came back to us and said that this, this other church still hadn't found a, a guy to fill that position of, of music pastor, and they were still interested in him, and he was, honestly, he was intrigued by, by the opportunity. And so after talking and praying about it with Blake, uh, we all agreed that he had to go check it out. He had to go check it out and see if, if the Lord might be calling him to serve at another church. And so after Blake and Becca got back from their first informal visit, kind of just hanging out seeing what was going on up there, um, I could tell that Blake's heart was leaning towards going there for a number of reasons, and so I encouraged him to go back and and officially candidate uh, for that position that they were looking to fill, and so that's where Blake and Becca were last weekend, if you remember they weren't here, and so I've asked Blake to come and and, uh, share his heart and kind of tell us about what's been going on in their lives and uh, share their decision with us this morning. So I wrote in a letter uh, just to make sure I communicate uh, my thoughts uh, through this uh, time, and so I'm going to read it to you now. It says, Dear Lakeside family, uh, at the end of last year, dear friend and mentor of mine, Scott Artavanis, contacted us asking if we would consider serving alongside him in ministry at Grace Church of the Valley in Kingsburg, California. As we prayed about it, sought counsel, and even visited the church, God made it very clear that there is a need for our gifting and that our hearts were drawn to serve there. On Wednesday of this past week, I accepted the call to be the pastor of music and media by the elders of Grace Church. The elders of LBC have been walking alongside Becca and I as we have prayed and considered this opportunity of ministry And our hearts are full of deep gratitude for the love, care, conversations, and leadership during this time. Our hearts are also full of sorrow as we consider leaving you, our church family. You all have been so loving to our growing family. You have been patient with me as a young and growing pastor. And you have all, uh, all of you have ministered to us time and time again as we have had the privilege to serve you and watch you grow in Christ. You have been a joy to sing with, learn with, and serve with. Finally, our hearts are filled with excitement and anticipation uh, as we look on to a new ministry. Although we will be with a new church family, we know we are continuing to serve Christ and his kingdom alongside you, Lakeside Bible Church. We ask that you pray for Owen, Lucy, and May, Uh, during such a big transition, especially as they move away from their grandparents. And pray for Becca and me as uh, we seek to be courageous, uh, responsible, sacrificial, and loving with our lives. It has been such a joy and privilege to lead you as a music pastor, to come before our Redeemer together as brothers and sisters. That's my favorite. Uh, We are grateful for the love and discipleship We have received from Ken and Kelly and Billy and Corey and others who have labored with us at Lakeside. Even though we are excited about this next chapter in our family's life, we want you to know you will be dearly missed and you are very much loved by the boy's family for his kingdom. Thank you, Blake. Well, the elders and I want you to know that we fully support Blake and Beck's decision uh, 
And we really are seeing this as God sovereignly transplanting um, two of his choicest servants to another part of his vineyard. Uh, This is his church. Not our church, not my church, not the elder's church, not Blake's church. Even though we did appeal to him and say, man, we'll even like call it Blakeside Bible Church if you'll stay. (laughs) He wouldn't have it though. But um, we, we, are, we're, we are truly excited to see how God is going to use this, this precious couple to advance his kingdom in another place, and, and we know they are going to be as much of a blessing at their new church as they have been in this church. And so um, we rejoice with the voices in God's clear direction as they've been praying for, for clarity and unity uh, in their lives, uh, just to know God's will and what he was wanting them to do. That's what they wanted to do. And so uh, thankfully that um, while this has been very hard for us as pastors and elders to work through these last few months, um, it hasn't been weird. And we're very grateful for that because we've just kind of uh, just been open and honest with one another. We just talked about it. And, um, but at the same time, we all agree that it really stinks. And, um, you know, after Blake returned from his first visit, I, I saw the writing on the wall. I think I've gotten to know him enough over the past seven years, you know, just to know his heart. And as he was sharing about his experience there, it was evident to me that it was only a matter of time before um, they were probably going to end up there. And uh, honestly, I got really sad <laughs> and I got really scared. Um, in fact, early that Friday morning, um, I was driving up to church, and I just started to cry. I'm just driving up Walden Road, and I'm like crying. I'm going, no, this is really weird. I'm glad I'm by myself, and I'm glad it's dark, and <laughs> six in the morning, and nobody can see this, because I don't cry, and I'm not, you know, my wife asked my wife. She thinks I'm a robot. I have no emotion, right? And, and I just found myself like crying, and, and there was just this sense of loss that I was just feeling in my gut, because... And I just love Blake and Becca. I mean, who, what's there not to love about this couple, right? I just love them, and it's just been nothing but a joy uh, working with them, serving with them these past seven years. I mean, they've been nothing but a blessing. I mean, I can still remember like it was yesterday, that I, the day I called the, the Masters College. I was driving up 249, to, heading towards the basketball game, my son's basketball game, and, and, and we were looking for a, a music pastor to replace Chris Steyer who was getting ready to head off to Albania. And, and so I called the master's college. And I said, hey, this is Ken Ramey, and we're looking for a, a, a music pastor. And, and, and uh, do, do you have any recommendations, anybody you'd recommend? And, and the lady on the other end said, well, as a matter of fact, just two weeks ago, Blake Boyce just called and said he's looking for a full-time position as a music pastor. I'm like, you have his number? And so I remember standing outside of Rose Hill Christian Academy, pacing back and forth, talking to Blake for the first time, um, and just... Uh, talking about the possibility of him coming to serve here at Lakeside Bible Church. And, and um, within five or six months, um, here they came. Blake, Becca, baby Owen. He was a baby. Wow, it's crazy to think about. Um, to serve as our, as our really first full-time pastor of music in, in, in media. Um, and, and what, a, what an answer to prayer, what a clear, direct answer to prayer uh, the Boyce family was uh, to our church. 
And here I was, seven years later, just driving in my car again, uh, thinking about Blake and Becca leaving after being here for seven years. And, and I'm, thankfully, as I, as I'm thankful as I was just kind of emoting there about the whole experience. And it kind of like seven years was flashing in front of my eyes. And, and, and then I just remembered that verse in Job that says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? I mean, that's it. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. We never deserved Blake and Becca. We never deserved them, but the Lord chose to give them to us. And hasn't it been fun? Hasn't it been a blessing? Um, And um, I wasn't able to tell you at the time, but in the providence of God, the text that I was studying that day, the day I drove up to the church crying, Right, the next Sunday, two days later, I was going to be preaching from the Gospel of John. And the text that I was studying that very day was John 14, verse 27. How cool is that? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And again, at the time, I I, I couldn't tell you, but I can tell you now what a huge encouragement that was to my soul. It was exactly what I needed to hear at the time to process and to kind of get a perspective on on what was going on in my life at the time and in our church's life. And and it was more of a, obviously, a secret at that point, and and nobody else knew. and, and, And yet, this morning, I believe this is exactly what you need to hear at this time. And so what I want to do is, is I want to just remind you of some of the things that we learn from this passage in, in hopes that we'll, it will provide you with the same kind of peace, the same kind of perspective that it had for me um, in light of this major change in the life of our church. If you remember, Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples on the night before he was to be crucified, and he had just shared with them what? That he was leaving. That he was leaving. And um, obviously the disciples were, were sad. They were shocked. They were overcome with fear and anxiety at the thought of being separated from their beloved master. And, and, and so Jesus knew what they needed most at that moment. And it was what? One thing. What was it? Peace. He knew they were experiencing a a sense of loss. They were feeling very sad and very scared. He also knew the circumstances they were about to be put in would even get more sad and and more scary because he was about to be arrested and tried and crucified and buried. And so things were only going to get worse from his vantage point. I told the other pastor that Blake is going to go work with that he's getting way more than a music pastor. I said, you're getting a triple threat guy, man. This guy does so many things well. You didn't even know what you're getting. I mean, I think 
people in our church don't even realize half of the stuff this guy does. He's kind of like the wizard beyond the curtain. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. He, he, he does all these things behind the scenes that we just take for granted. And he's kind of been the glue guy of our church. And I, I told this guy, I said, dude, I'm so glad for you. Our, our loss is your gain. But just know, man, as soon as Blake walks out the door, man, we we're going to be patching holes on this ship all over the place. We're like, oh, there's another one. Get somebody to get that one. You know? And I said, so please pray for us. Pray for us. And the elders and I are convinced that, that Blake's position, the position that he's been serving in here at Lakeside, is the hardest position to fill in any church. In fact, one of the elders even said that they, they thought it would be easier to find a new senior pastor than a music pastor. I'm like, <laughs> hey, come on now. But I agreed with him. I agreed with him. Because listen, there's a lot of godly guys and there's a lot of good musicians, but there's not a whole lot of godly musicians who get it, that it's not about them. It's not about, hey, let me put on a show for you every Sunday morning and look at me. And it's ultimately about preparing the table for the preaching of God's word. It's those who share our, you know, who are like-minded doctrinally and philosophically, that's just a rare guy. And yet at the same time, we are absolutely convinced that God is going to provide someone to replace Blake in his way, in his time, in the same way he has provided, right? When, when Chris Steyer left, guess what? He provided Blake and Adam. So here I feel like I'm chopping my right arm off, sending Chris Steyer off to Albania, and I'm like, and all of a sudden God says, oh, here, I'll give you two more guys. I'm like, okay, this is a good deal. I like this. And, and how good was God to, when Adam left, to provide Billy? Has that guy not just been the biggest blessing around here for a while? I mean, this is, what a blessing. I mean, God has been so good to us. And, and so throughout the history of Lakeside Bible Church, we have strived to be kingdom-minded in that we are willing to send guys out to minister and to meet needs in other places and other churches. And God has been so faithful to meet our needs in ways that are really above and beyond anything we could have hoped for or even imagined. And so this should give us a sense of peace. If you remember, I defined peace when we were here in, in, in first, or John 14, 27. Peace is an inner tranquility based on God's personality. In other words, it's an inner tranquility based on God's character, what we know to be true about God. And we know God is what? Faithful. He's faithful. Let me give you a, a more of an extended definition of peace. It's a calm, quiet, restful confidence based on the knowledge that our lives are in the hands of a wise, loving, sovereign, all-powerful God who is providentially working out all things according to his perfect plan for his glory and our good. That's peace. That's biblical peace. Let me say that again because I think we need to hear that again. It's a calm, quiet, restful confidence based on the knowledge that our lives are in the hands of a wise, loving, sovereign, all-powerful God who is providentially working out all things according to his perfect plan for his glory and our good. And so in order to maintain this calm, quiet, peaceful attitude amidst the the changes that take place in our lives and in our, our church, we, we need to rest in who God has revealed himself to be in his word. Someone said it this way, it's a peace 
born from a living personal relationship with Jesus and deepened through a growing surrender of life to his gracious will and his gracious rule. Really, at the end of the day, what is our response to this? It's to submit. It's to submit. To who? To the Lord of the church. Again, it's not Ken's church. It's not the elder's church. It's not your church. It's not Blake's church, right? It's the Lord's church. And and he's free to do whatever he wants with his church. And our job is just to submit and surrender our will, right? Not our will, but your will be done. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. The peace that the world has to offer is, is, is dependent upon circumstances which are always changing, and so your peace is always fluctuating. That's why so many people in this world feel like they're on this emotional roller coaster, Why? Right? because their peace, uh, their happiness is based on their circumstances, whereas the peace that Jesus offers here is based on his unchanging person and work. Notice he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. In other words, I'm going to give you the same kind of peace that I have. Wow. We get the same kind of peace that was in the heart of Christ. Probably the best example of that, right? right? We said when was Jesus was on that boat in the, in the middle of the storm on the Sea of Galilee, and, and, he, and he's just in the back, you know, sawing logs, right? And, 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 and the disciples were freaking out. And they're like bailing water over the side. They're like, man, doesn't he care? We're going to die out here. That must have been a serious storm of sailors, fishermen that have been on there fishing their whole lives, thought they were going to die. That must have been the, the storm of all storms, right? And so they wake Jesus up. Hey, don't you care? Isn't that typically what we, we blame God as if, don't you care about us? Why would you do this? Why would you let us go through this? If you really cared, and, and Jesus says, guys, Relax. And he tells the storm, hush. And immediately it stops, right? The water becomes like glass. What was the deal there? Well, Jesus knew that everything that happened to him was all part of God's plan. Bottom line. Anything that happened to him was all part of God's plan. And that he knew that God had everything under control. When I originally preached this, You may remember I said that that Jesus not only gave us the present of peace, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not only did he give us the present of peace, but he also set the precedent for peace. And a precedent is is an example, basically, uh, some earlier event or action that's regarded as an example or a guide to be considered uh, in, in subsequent similar circumstances. In other words, Jesus set a precedent for us, an example for us, to follow when we go through difficult situations. And in this particular context, he set an example of someone whose heart was at perfect peace and rest, particularly in the midst of dealing with selfish, short-sighted followers. Because up until now, Jesus had sought to encourage his disciples by showing what his departure would mean for them how they would benefit from his return to heaven. Guess what? You guys get the Holy Spirit out of this deal. Whoa, cool. But now he told them what his departure would mean for him. And it would not only be better for them, it would also be better 
for him. Consequently, they should have been happy for him that he's going back to heaven where his intimacy and and glory with the Father would be restored. restored. Notice verse 28. You heard that I said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have what? Rejoiced because I go to the Father. When Jesus was here on earth, he endured terrible things at the hands and the mouths of his creatures. He was hated, he was persecuted, he was blasphemed, he was beaten, he was ultimately crucified by those he came to save. And by going back to heaven, he would escape all that, all the anger, all the hostility, and he would go from humiliation back to exaltation. And Jesus said, man, if if, if you guys loved me, you, you would be happy for me. And so the disciples' love for Jesus was not as great as it should have been. They were, they were thinking more about themselves than they were about Jesus. They were having a hard time accepting God's plan for their future, and they couldn't imagine anything better than having Jesus with them, and they just weren't ready to give him up. I've thought that when it came to Blake. I can't imagine Lakeside Bible Church without Blake. From a human perspective, I can't imagine that. And that's why Chuck Swindoll's comments here were so encouraging for me several weeks ago, or I guess a month or so ago now. He said this, theirs, talking about the disciples, theirs was a selfish affection, a desire to keep rather than share. Although God has given us people and things to enjoy, it's important to hold them with a loose grasp. Someday, God may choose to take them from your hands, and the loss will be less painful if you're not clutching them so tightly. He said, always remember, the Lord not only gives, but he may someday take away that which he has for a time entrusted to your care. And if he does, your possessiveness can find you in a tug of war with God. First Corinthians 13.5 says, love does not seek its own. In other words, if you truly love someone, you want what's best for them, which in this case was obviously for Jesus to return to his glory in heaven. I mean, let's, let's just be honest, okay? When we lose someone that we love, it's, it's, it's natural it's, to, to, to selfishly wish that they were still with us. That's just normal and natural. To, to be focused on our loss rather than their gain, right? And there comes a point when you have to stop grieving over our loss and start rejoicing in their gain. Now, listen, I understand um, we've had several months now to begin the grieving process. And so we're further along, those of us that have been you know, walking with Blake and Becca through this, you know, we've all kind of been grieving together already. Some, someone asked me the other day, they said, has your wife been depressed lately? I'm like, as a matter of fact, yes. I didn't tell them why. <laughs> I just said, yeah, she's having a hard time right now. There's a lot of things going on in our lives, our family and our ministry, right? This has been really hard. We've been kind of grieving, right? And so I'm not saying, hey, listen, hey, stop, quit it, stop it. Come on, everybody's smiling, wipe away those tears, right? No, this is a, this is, listen, this is just as hard for Blake and Becca as it is for all of us, right? It's a grieving process that we're all going to have to go through. 
But ultimately, we need to get to the place where we can truly rejoice, right, in their gain, and and really the, the ultimate gain of the kingdom, right? That God's up to something good for his kingdom work, and we can get excited about that. We don't know what it is. It doesn't seem like like, hey, this doesn't seem so great here that he's blowing a hole in our church to fill another hole in that church, and that doesn't seem right, and that doesn't seem fair, and that doesn't, right? But, but hey, God is God. He knows what he's doing. This is his church. He'll take care of us, right? And I think we have a, we have a choice to make in how we respond to this situation. We can either be bitter about the fact that God's taking away from us, right, this couple that we love so much, or we can be grateful for the years that He's given them to us to enjoy, right? And then just look at verse 31. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up, let's go from here. What was he talking about there? He was talking about being obedient to the point of death. He's saying, let's get up and go because I need to get arrested and I need to get tried and I need to get crucified. Jesus was showing the world how much he loved the Father, right? By being willing to die on the cross. And this is an aspect of Jesus' death I don't think we think about enough, right? Jesus didn't just die on the cross to show us how much he loved us, but he died to show us how much he loves the Father. And we know that Jesus repeatedly challenged his disciples to prove their love for him by obeying his commands. Obey me. Just like I've obeyed the Father. You show that you love me by obeying me. I've shown you how I love the Father by obeying the Father. And so Jesus is is the ultimate example of loving obedience. And so every one of us should be able to say, when asked why we're doing something, right? Because the world must know that I love the Father and I do exactly what God commands me to do, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, even if it hurts. Even if it requires great sacrifice. And so the last thing that we would ever want to do is stand in the way of someone who was doing what they felt to be the will of God. Who felt that they were were doing what God had commanded them to do. And so the encouragement here for us this morning that was for me so many weeks ago, I trust for you this morning is that we can trust God even when we're experiencing a sense of loss and feeling sad and scared. I mean, it doesn't get any more practical than that. And the key to not letting our hearts be troubled in in an ever-changing world is, is resting in and relying on the peace, the peace that Christ provides for us. Now, that's easier said than done. So practically, what can we do when our minds begin to reel and our emotions begin to swirl and our hearts begin to race? What are some practical things that we need to remember? Number one, trust God. Trust God. Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. Key passage you all should know. Isaiah 23, verse 3. Excuse me, verse, uh, Isaiah chapter 26 
verse 3, the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace. In other words, when you keep your mind stayed on the Lord, he will keep you in perfect peace. Why? Because he trusts in you. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. Isn't that good to know that, right, while the things, the waves are just crashing all over, things are constantly swirling and changing, and, and, and we're not just like this wave of the sea blown and tossed. We, we're standing on a rock. All this stuff is going down around us, and we're on a rock, and that's God himself. He's an anchor for our soul, so we need to trust God. The opposite of fear and anxiety is faith and peace, faith and peace. So trust God, number one. Number two, we need to pray to God. Pray to God. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Paul picks up on this theme of perfect peace that Isaiah was talking about. And and we all know Philippians 4, 6, right? Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're like, yeah, that's a great verse. I really need to hear that verse right now. But you need to know that's just part of the package. I mean, that's that's just one principle in a list of of practical principles that Paul lays out here, starting in verse 4 all the way going down to verse 9. This is how you experience the peace of God, this perfect peace that passes all understanding, that makes absolutely no sense why you could be at at peace in the midst of the changes and the situations in your life. Here it is. Look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And oh, by the way, if you missed it, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. So that's the first thing you need to do is rejoice, right? We need to be rejoicing no matter what's going on. Rejoice in the Lord when everything's going your way. Is that what it says? No, it says rejoice in the Lord. What? Always. No matter what's going on. No matter what changes you're facing. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice. And then he says in verse 5, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. The Lord is near, I think, means that the Lord is near. He's here. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient, right? He's watching us. He's listening to us, right? And, and, and he wants us to respond, right, in ways that are pleasing to him. So what would that look like? Well, it means that you have a gentle spirit in the way you interact with one another, right? Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. In other words, you be humble, you be gracious, you be kind, you be generous, you be merciful to one another. That's important right now for all of us, right? That we would let our gentle spirit, our humility, and, and, and our, 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 our graciousness and kindness and generosity and mercy be shown to one another through this whole process. And then he gets to, of course, the, the, the pray thing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry. Instead of worry, you need to pray. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So you need to thank, be thankful. That's another principle there. Be thankful. And then you need to pray. You need to pray and, and ask the Lord to be glorified through this situation. And when we pray, right, with thanksgiving, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You'll have peace. He'll he'll grant you peace. 
But notice, he's not done talking about peace. Don't stop there. Look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is good, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. What do we typically do, right? We come to the Lord and we bring our cares and anxieties to Him, our fears. We, we, we give them to Him. Lord, Lord, I'm afraid about this. I'm scared about this. I'm sad about this. I'm depressed about this. I'm bummed about this. And, and, and we give these things to the Lord and we say, Amen. And then we jump in our car or we go about our business. And then what do we start doing? We start thinking about it all again. And we kind of take it all back off of the throne and we put it all back onto our shoulders, right? And we begin to worry and get anxious again, right? Why? Because we're not letting our mind dwell on the things that it should be dwelling. We're not thinking right. And so it's important that after we pray that we make sure we dwell on the right kinds of things. And then it's still not over. Look at verse 9. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. See, he's still thinking and talking about peace here. So this is part of the peace process, if you will, that the things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and as a result, the God of peace will be with you. In other words, if you want to have peace, you need to obey. You need to trust God, pray to God, and obey God. Paul's saying, listen, if you've, the things you've learned from me, you've received from me, you've heard, you've seen, I want you to do these things. I want you to say these things. I want you to obey. And so the principle is very simple here. We need to do and say the right things no matter how we feel. We need to do and say the right things no matter how we feel. You feel. And again, this is um, easier said than done, right? Because I've been feeling a whole lot of things um, through this process. A lot of emotions, depression, confusion, bitterness, feeling wronged, feeling like I want to go punch this other pastor out, you know, (laughs) get a bunch of you guys to come with me and we'll dogpile them say, what are you doing, right? I've even thought of conspiring with Blake and Becca's parents to, to like kidnap Owen and Lucy and say, you can't have them back unless you stay, right? I'm thinking crazy thoughts, right? All these things just, just kind of going through my mind and heart, and, and yet by the grace of God, I've been hopefully saying and doing the right things, but I was honest with the elders as guys. I mean, it, it, it comes off my mouth. It sounds spiritual, the things I'm saying, but boy, I'm trying to have my feelings catch up with all that. And so, I mean, that's just being real and honest, right? But the bottom line is we do and say the right things no matter how you feel. If you remember, I ended this message originally with that hymn, Trust and Obey. Tell me if this is not perfect for what we need to hear this morning. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His goodwill, He abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but His smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sigh or a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, 
But our toil he doth richly repay, not a grief or a loss, not a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Beloved, we have an opportunity as individuals and as a church to trust and obey. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, while this whole thing from a human perspective really stinks, (laughs) we know that you are orchestrating all things according to your grand and glorious plan. And so we just humbly submit and surrender to your will for for, for the Boyce family and, and your will for our church. And we pray for Blake and Becca. We know that this is not going to be an easy transition for them. And, and uh, this is a very difficult thing for them. And I pray we'd be sensitive to them and that you would help us t- to do a good job serving them and, and sending them out well. And we, we, we also ask, Lord, that even as you're providing them to meet the needs of that other church, Lord, that you would provide someone else to meet the needs of this church. And Lord, just help us to honor you with our response to this, that you would use this to help us all become more like Jesus. We trust you, God, in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, guys, for... Uh, being here and uh, receiving that this morning. If you have any questions, um, maybe the first question everybody is thinking is, when is this going to happen? It's probably going to happen sometime, sometime probably in January, sometime after the first of the year. Um, But if you have any questions, guys, please come talk to me, talk to Blake, talk to Billy, talk to the elders. Um, We want to serve you well through this process, okay? And um, yeah, you, you don't just talk about it amongst yourselves. Don't ask each other questions. Well, why and what? You know, that's not going to help, okay? Ask those of us who've been involved in the process. Please come and talk to us, all right? And um, listen, if you're visiting with us this morning, welcome to Lakeside Bible Church, you know? Um, you kind of got into on some family time this morning, but uh, hopefully it gives you a, a, a feel for our hearts um, that we're trying to be just real, honest, transparent, down-to-earth people. Uh, that aren't playing church politics, and we're just trying to love Jesus and and do the right things here. And so uh, we would invite you to come to our Welcome Center, which is just straight across the hallway. We've got some folks ready to greet you. We've got some gifts we'd like to give all of our first-time guests. So make sure you do that. We'd love to meet you personally. So you guys have a great afternoon. You're dismissed.